Chris Keys for Premier Guitar. Today I'm hanging out in Nashville, Tennessee, obviously my home, but I'm joined, like I said, by Henry Cash of Starcrawler out in LA. Henry, how are you doing? I'm doing really good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, been a quick and fast fan of Starcrawler, and I think the three things that jump out at me is how you guys perform on stage, obviously. Your clothing, which is like obviously nudie suit, big nod to, to my current hometown here in Nashville. And then third is oh, yeah. the unique instruments that you use on stage. And I think everyone's here to talk about gear. So let's start talking about the guitar you played in. And uh, uh, I think it's a cool collaboration that you can elaborate on as much as you can. Yeah. So I think this one has a long backstory that starts out with this one over here. Um, so this has three strings on it. I don't know if you could tell. Yep. But that all started when I was probably around, so I'm just going to do the whole thing. Go for it. When I was about, I grew up, my dad was a musician. There was always music in the house. He was primarily like a blues player, a lot of slide. Every single guitar in the house was in open tuning, which kind of fucking sucks when you're learning guitar <laughs> because, you, you know, you pick up a guitar and you can't really do anything on it. But uh, he got this... I think it's 80s Epiphone, and uh, it was also in open tuning, but when I played it, uh, I broke part of the bridge. I don't know if you could see, but a couple of the saddles for it were just broken, but it was in open tuning, and so I had to take the strings off, and I was just playing the first three strings how they were, like D-A-D, and it was super easy. I realized that, whoa, I could just put my finger down and it works like that. And, uh, you know, I was figuring out cool little chords that I could do. And I didn't have to think as much because, you know, half the strings, half the mind power. Yeah. But, and I was definitely aware of bands like I loved Presidents of the United States of America, you know, like Peaches. Yeah, and, um, Peaches. And that was, and then this other band called Morphine, uh, Mark Salmon, two string slide bass. And so I grew up around all that and like the B-52s. I love the B-52s. And that's, you know, like four strings. And so uh, I had just the D-A-D on. 
and then my dad came in and he was like, you know, you're going to fuck up the guitar if you have all the tension on one side of the neck. If you're going to play like that, at least put it down the middle. Uh -huh. And that's when I, uh, he's, you know, tune it to G. And so I just took the first three, three strings and I put them on the second and tuned it to G, D, G. And it was really cool. I didn't notice it at first, but it gave me like sort of Rolling Stones vibes without, you know, having to think about what the top strings were doing. Mm -hmm. And so I started playing like that and I was mainly playing drums. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned, but I saw, so when I was about nine years old, I saw it might get loud. And after like feeling kind of alone as like listening to not like Miley Cyrus in yeah. school, like listening to all this blues and like Led Zeppelin, seeing like Jack White's part and how he was just like alone in his room with like a drum set recording made me feel like that I wasn't alone and that if I pushed hard I could do it. Yeah. And like that always stuck with me and so like from then on I was just like in my room sitting on like garage band and you know playing away on three strings and you know bass and drums and making songs and then when I met Arrow I'd never played guitar in a band before I played drums and bass mm -hmm. but she asked me if I played guitar and I brought this and this is what we started doing our first stuff with just because you know it was easier and I had some songs that are already written on it and it was pretty cool cut to like Years later, so I played that in the beginning of the band. I played that one, and then I got another cheap Epiphone as the backup, okay. just because, you know, they're like $100. There's a black one back there. But then I was at the NAMM show, I think three or four, four years ago, with my aunt who makes guitar straps. Her name's Jody Head. Like, if I used another kind of guitar straps, I would be murdered. <laughs> but, uh, and then the booth right across was Parsons Guitars. And I remembered, you know, from watching the movie, I was like, oh, I think that, I think those are the same type of guitars Jack played in those movies. Mm -hmm. And I went over there and I talked to him and I was like, I really like your guitars and your work. I can never afford anything that you do, but, you know, it's nice to meet you. Uh -huh. And like over just like the three days of, you know, like being bored, I started talking to him more about, you know, like three strings and stuff. And eventually it became the I want to make you a guitar kind of thing. And he had this guitar called the Bat that he was doing, and it was brown, and it had two pickups, and uh, and I was playing these this White Falcon back here, and I thought, well, our first record came out, and I was like, our colors are kind of uh, white and red, and and uh, I only use one pickup really, uh, even on a Telecaster, I'm just always on the bridge pickup, and just with the Bigsby, and I put the Bigsby on that because I'm also a huge Neil Young fan. I mean. Who isn't yeah, like one black. of the most underrated guitar players ever? Like when he does a solo, it's just perfect. But one year later, I got this, and I've been playing it ever since. And it, so Randy made this. You know, it has like a cool little pedal. One, one pickup, one volume knob, and then just a pedal inside. And I took it around the world, and you know through it and it's got all beat up and it still works really well and I love it. Now Henry, you said there's a pedal inside? Yeah, there's a pedal inside. So what, what kind of circuitry were like, is it a fuzz, is it a boost? Okay, so there's this guy named Heavy R2R Electric. 
No. Uh, he makes these treble boosters that I think everybody now is using because they're just so good, but he makes them in his kitchen. <laughs> like he's only, I think he's made like 700 of them, but they're the best treble boosters. Um, I have one on my board too, but he had the idea that he had this old, I guess in 1966 or something, Gretsch put a treble booster inside their guitar and they had the circuit and uh, it was kind of like plastic to, around it. And Chris had one of them. I don't know how he got a hold of one, but uh, I contacted him and I was like, what if you put a treble booster inside? And he says, I have the actual Gretsch one we could try to recreate. And so he put that inside these guitars and wow. they sound amazing. Now, but, is it yeah. something you use all the time or is it kind of like just uh, subtlety, like in, in a sense, like, you know, you're going to go for it, you kick it on or is it, is that pretty much always yeah. engaged? When I go for, a, when I go for a solo, I turn it on. Okay. But because it's, it's a lot. Can we hear like, like a on and off difference? Yeah. Let me play another one. Okay. Uh, but so, yeah. And then, so this was the first one and I would be playing this half the set and then regular six string half the set. Okay. And then Randy thought that maybe I'd probably like a six string version. So, and then I haven't really been playing tellies ever since. But of course in the studio, but they're just, the neck, they're so comfortable to play in their light that it's like the best guitar to run around with. And it's like to my specs, so. Now, but. I can't see, uh, with the zoom camera here, but it, it looks like the center there where the where the neck pickup should be or would be is that hollow? Is it the guitar hollow or yeah. semi hollow? So it's semi hollow. It's chambered. Okay. But so I'm a huge ACDC fan, and you know like the Malcolm Young jet where he had three pickups in and he took two of them out. Oh yeah. And they were just open. Randy had it already like this, but when I saw it, that's immediately what I thought. Mm -hmm. And it must do that thing to it, but it does have a super, like. It's really nice, it's a full sound. And, but here's the treble booster on. It's. It's considerable, for sure. Yeah, and it's really. Nice, and it has a cool little red light there. But, and then TV Jones made this custom pickup, which was really cool for this one too, that has a uh, red on the inside and goes with the binding and everything. And then uh, the Bigsby on this has red on the inside of that too, which, and then, uh, but yeah. Now you said that this was kind of a thing that Randy had built before, the, the bat model. Now is there anything specific yeah. that you were asking for or was it kind of all his creation? Yeah. yeah, well I have three of them and we've kind of been changing things over the years. But uh, one of my favorite parts about it is that it has this little lamb uh, inlaid in the neck and uh, I wanted the Filtertron. He hadn't done them with the Filtertrons that I know of. And I just wanted it really simple. I wanted one volume, one pickup, you know, not anything fancy. He want, I didn't even, it was his idea to put a pedal in it. Mm -hmm. um, but I just wanted a really simple guitar that could be thrown around, but sounded really good and full, but still had that bite and richness. 
and it's really achieved that. And I've always loved Gretsch guitars, and uh, so it was kind of in between uh, the White Falcon here and his own creation, and it really became a really cool thing. Um, but yeah, it started, I, I can't say too much about it, but it's a partnership. This one, at least, is a partnership between Gretsch and Randy, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's, a, that's a cool thing to have uh, such a historic company and a really, you know, aggressively unique builder behind you is uh, supporting your, you know, musicianship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I never would have imagined being like the nine-year-old watching <laughs> Jack play like his triple jets, ever thinking that, oh, yeah, I'd have a guitar made by the same guy even, you know? Now, but, you had mentioned that that has a, a unique or kind of fun inlay with the lamb. I, I'm wondering, because I, I'm familiar with Randy's work, because we did a profile him probably about 10 or 11 years ago, and he, like, puts bones and, like, weird things into his guitars. Are there any, any things in like that with your models? He's one of those guitar makers where he doesn't just make the guitars. Every guitar is, like, an art piece. Yeah. It really, they really are just pieces of art. And uh, so there's... Think, there's secret things inside this guitar that mean something to him and to me. Mm -hmm. And he has these little, there's poems on the back of uh, the headstocks. And if you connect them all, they, it's a big, long thing. Oh, you wow. Know? There's a lot of really cool things on the inside. If somebody opens up the guitar, they'll find some really interesting stuff. Some Easter eggs. But, some Easter eggs. And, you know, every single one is different. And, like... These have a kind of contoured top, and then there's this one where it's more of a flat guy, and uh, but they're all super great. And some have a matte headstock, but we were just figuring it out over the years, trying to really tweak it to where, you know, it's the best guitar, and I think we've really come across that. Now, any of these three featured on, I know that your newest record that came out in 2019 was Devour You. Any of the, these three Parson guitars on, on that? Or yeah. Okay. So this three string was all over that, like on Bet My Brains, She Gets Around, anything three string. Let me just show you what, what that sounds like, because it's pretty. It has the TV Jones in it that he made for Billy Gibbons, so it's kind of... I think it's PAF style. I don't really know the technical, but it's really good. Um, and it doesn't sound like a normal Filtertron, but uh, here, here we go. So uh, a lot of the time, since I'm working with three strings, I'll either, there's only so much you can do in G, yeah. so yeah. I'll either capo it, or I'll use this drop octave pedal to really get it to sound full. So like the that my brains thing. But you could get, you can cover a lot of range with just three strings, which is pretty cool. Well, I was going to ask, it's, it's, you know, we're, this show is just dedicated to gear and the accumulation of gear, but Sometimes yeah. you'll hear a player, a guitarist, or a collector, or uh, artist will say, sometimes they'll think or put themselves in a box to think uh, like less is more. So I was curious about the, how the three strings sometimes maybe almost 
makes you more creative? Well, it's not one of those things where I tried to limit myself. If anything, I was just trying to think less, really, because <laughs> when I'm on this, I'm not really thinking when I'm playing this as opposed to when you're playing in a six-string tuning, you're thinking about, okay, I'm in this key, I could solo here, solo here. I'm just, you know, playing. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because I've been playing it for so long before I even really knew how to play guitar that it's just become kind of a, when I sit down with it, it just feels right. And before I had this guitar, I was using the Epiphones and they were really hard to play because I'd take, in order for them to somewhat stay in tune, I'd take like a baritone set and use the middle strings of that, which was 46, 36, and 26. Wow. But that's also the first three strings of a 10 set, which would have been a lot cheaper. Yeah. But and then uh, there's this really good guitar tech that set up all my guitars, John Westcott. And he really helped me early on set them up to where they were easier to play. And uh, they actually played like guitars, which was really cool. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's, pr that's pretty yeah. crucial. <laughs> yeah, definitely, because before that, it was, it was definitely a struggle. And still with the Epiphones, it was a struggle until I got this thing that was kind of made for it. Mm -hmm. But Well, should, we, uh, should you introduce some uh, more of your friends here behind you? Yeah. So. Um, there's a lot of really great gear here, <laughs> but uh, so I just got this, which I'm really stoked about um, because uh, just the way it looks, I like it has this cool uh, belt binding and uh, I'm a huge Chuck Berry fan and I remember some of the first footage I saw of Chuck Berry, he was playing one of these and it didn't seem to fit, and that's the same reason why I have the 355. Okay, yeah. Most of the licks that I do are pretty much just Chuck Berry licks, just sped up. And that's the same thing with like Angus Young or any of those dudes. It's just Chuck Berry and like Little Richard. And a lot of the three string stuff too is just like sped up, like R.L. Burnside type licks, you know? Um, but yeah, this thing's really cool. It's got a really interesting tone. I'm also a huge Billy Zoom fan. And he uses the silver jet and same kind of pickups. So, yeah, let's hear this. Yeah, it's a good sounding guitar. Now, what would be like an, another guitar you would take on tour with you, like if you were gonna play, you know, actually go play shows? Yeah, so um, t I'm a huge Telly guy. Um, a Telly was the first guitar that I played and felt like, whoa, this is a really nice guitar. And so I got this kind of right after we started playing. I walked into Imperial Vintage Guitar and picked it up and it's one of the road worn ones but it was one of the first ones they did uh, which weren't road worn they just had the neck that was worn down okay. so this all this was not here before i played it um which was nice but the necks on these feel really good they're pretty big and chunky and uh i've been around with it for a long time and it's 
really one of my favorite guitars. All right, Henry, before you uh, kind of show us what this sounds like, what would be a song or what would be, you know, a part of a set that this would get brought out on? Yeah, we have this song called I Love LA, Letter B, and pretty much most of the stuff on our first record is either a telly or the three string. Okay. And, uh, but yeah, so like... <laughs> But yeah, it has this really cool sound, but... Especially paired with the fuzz on the I Love LA, that has a really good fuzz tone with that telly. Yeah, and I think for the record, I was using the JHS Mufaletta for the fuzz sound on the chorus, mm. but that was just a super reverb um, with this mic, the AEA R92. I think is what it is. I always forget like the numbers, but and uh, I try to keep everything pretty much how it was. And I think I was using an Oxblood as my uh, uh, as my kind of like pre going into it. Okay. Even though it's just an overdrive, mm. but um, yeah. And you can get cool like. <laughs> All right, Henry, that's a cool Telecaster, and I know that was something you used early in the band. Now, in recent years, I've seen you played on stage with a Tele Custom. Tell me about that guitar. So, I didn't have, when we first played, uh, when we were in the studio, I used uh, the producer's guitar, which was a Tele Custom. Mm. I think his was a 74, but, and I always really liked the sound of that guitar, but I couldn't afford an old Tele. But so I got this thing and I was using this for a super long time and I loved it. But then I saw on Reverb an uh, old Tele Custom that was, you know, reason reasonably priced for once. Where I think it was on eBay, Pe which is the cool thing is that people, if you find something on Reverb, everybody sees it because they have the alerts and stuff. Yeah. One day I was on eBay scrolling and I saw one and it wasn't, you know, it was under, you know, it was like, I think 1500 bucks or something and I'd saved up all my money from touring and I was like okay that's this is this is the one guitar this is going to be like the most expensive guitar I've ever bought and uh, I got it and it was all original there wasn't a mark on it it was a super clean neck it was from the original owner and then uh, I went it was like a couple days I got it the day before tour and I kind of committed to, okay, I, this is the guitar I'm going to be playing on tour. And I stepped out on stage, and the pickup, just the bridge pickup was screaming. It, it needed to be wax potted. So any sort of overdrive or anything, you know, you weren't playing for a second, and it was just screeching, and, uh, which was a huge problem. And we made it up to Seattle, and there's Mike and Mike's guitar bar up there. Uh, and I brought the guitar in and I told them what was happening and they wax potted the pickup for me and gave me a replacement pickup for the time being while they're wax pot it and mm -hmm. then they were gonna send the pickup back to me and I felt kinda bad because the guitar had never been touched before um, it was just all original and they put in the Lawler it's a Lawler I don't know which one it is but it's still in there 
<laughs> I got the pickup back, wax potted, but I was like, wow, this lawler sounds so good. I just don't know if I want to put the other one back in yet. <laughs> but I'm, I, I will get to it, but it sounds really good. I never really used the wide range pickup on it. I've used it in the studio a couple times, but I'm pretty much always on the bridge. But they're really bright. I think that tone pots on these are 1K or something. I could be totally wrong, but they're like the 70s, but they're super bright, great guitars. Well, with an introduction like that, man, let's hear it. Yeah, it's really a nice tone. I don't know. If, I don't know if you can hear the difference between the guitars and some going through yeah, you know, I can. pedals. But surprisingly, I can. Yeah, it's one of my favorite guitars, and I pretty much would play it on half the set before I got the six-string Parsons. Um, and then as the first, uh, I was just playing that yellow telly all the time. And then when I got this, this became the main one that I was playing. All right, and, and you already touched on the three-string setup that you use in terms of gauges. What about for the six strings? What uh, brand and gauge do you use? So I use 11s, and I've been using Ernie Balls for a couple years now. Uh, my guy over there, Robert, is amazing, and he always hooks it up. And he gets me the, the custom three-string sets, too, so I don't have to go buy whole sets of strings and waste half of them, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I use uh, just the 11 gauge, uh, standard 11s. And right. then on some of the Gibsons, I use 10s, just you know, to get more of the Skinner bends in. Are, but, you, yeah. are, you, are you using uh, standard tuning or any other tunings? So I'm using standard, and then I'm using some drop Ds, okay. uh, certain guitars. Um, which brings me to the next telly, which I really like. Uh, I have a bunch of tellies. Tellies are definitely, uh, I feel the most comfortable on tellies because I've been playing them for so long. Well, let's meet this other guy. Yeah, so this, so my uncle Brad, uh, Brad Rice was a huge inspiration on me as a kid because he was doing it. He was playing guitar on, you know, TV and I'd watch like the late night shows and see him doing it. Mm -hmm. And uh, one night, I forget, get like when but he was playing the Greek with I think it was like Jack Ingram or somebody but it was like a country country uh, band mm -hmm. but he brought a B bender out and I got to play with it for a second and it was super cool and it had always been in the back of my mind uh, that I want one of them one day and I got super into Graham Parsons and the birds and the Flying Brito Brothers and I was really looking for a B-Bender. And then a good friend, Chris Masterson, lent me his B-Bender for about six months. And it was a tr James Trussart B-Bender. But I loved it. And I was like, OK, this is it. I need to get one. And so uh, I'm a huge Clarence White fan, who was the first B-Bender from the Birds. Yep. And I wanted to recreate that guitar. So I got one of the you know, 50s. Um, Regular, you know, just 50s reissue uh, tellies. I think it's the same road-worn neck. And tried to make it as uh, 
close to his with the, with the nudie sticker as possible. And I think it, it's now owned by Marty Stewart, who I also love. Yeah. Um, but it's got the banjo tuners that you could drop down. But I used this on our last record on a couple songs called Pennies, No More Pennies, and Born Asleep. And I capo it up, and uh, yeah. Yeah, No More uh, Pennies is like just... something you could hear on like Some Girls or something with Rolling Stones. Like it has that, yeah. Yeah. And when I, I, I saw that, I was like, man, I heard it. I was like, I feel like there's a B-bender there. And so this just, like, you're just clarifying and justifying what I heard. Yeah, I also put some slide on it. I have an Asher lap steel that's really good. Um, and it's really interesting because it doesn't sound like... I also have a Magnetone lap steel that's really bright. Um, but the Asher sounds more like a Les Paul. Hmm. Like a really good Les Paul and it has uh, humbuckers in it. But it distorts really nicely. But it gives, makes it sound, when you're playing steel on it, it doesn't sound too country, if oh. that makes sense. But yeah, my brother's been playing pedal steel with us recently. Well, wow, that's awesome. Been, yeah, and so we got an old Fender 400, and that's super bright and definitely sounds super country. But this thing's really cool. Yeah, what tuning are you using? So yeah, this this thing it's in a drop G, but it's capoed up. All right. And I I've no, never really played it sitting down, but I'll try to. <laughs> so well, if we need to stand up, uh, stand up. Sounds like this. It's more fun than it is anything, you know? Yeah, it's a but. very expressive tool for you to have. Yeah, and uh, it's a good change up in the set from doing like kind of like punk and going really fast and slowing down and getting to, you know, move my arm a bunch. <laughs> but yeah. Was there, a lot, yeah. was there like a learning curve when you had your friends and you borrowed it? Was it like, I've never really spent much time with a bender. Yeah, his was a different, his was coming from the back of it. And so I got the body and it didn't have the B bender in it. And I sent it to this guy, Matney Benders. I think his name is Darren Matney, but I found him on Facebook. And it was just, he made B benders. And I was like, it wasn't the reverb or anything. So I was like, I'm just going to send him my guitar and hope everything <laughs> goes fine. And I sent him the body and he put in the bender. And uh, it's amazing. And it's, stays in tune really well, which a lot of them have a problem with. And uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. And it looks like, you know, the whole Clarence White thing. Yeah, it, look, yeah. it looks like the Bender, man. It looks like number one. Yeah, it's, and I love, my mom's a huge Marty Stewart fan, so I grew up seeing it even before I was into like the birds. Yeah. Which was cool, but yeah. 
But yeah, it also has this satellite badge, which brings me to one of my newest uh, guitars that I've got. Um, I'll try to be a bit faster so we could hit some more stuff. But um, this is really cool. It's like the new era of lawsuit era guitars, you know? Yeah. Because the satellite coronet, um, it, I have a, you know, SG or technically still Les Paul Jr. Mm -hmm. 61. And they sound and feel very similar. And I haven't played a new Gibson that feels as good as this because it weirdly feels pretty old and nice. But I just used this on the new record for the song that's going to be released. But I really love this guitar. It's, I, it's being loaned to me, but um, it's going to be hard to get it away from my hands because uh, I really like it. I was going to say, what, how did you get turned on to it? Because Satellite is pretty much primarily known as an a, a amp company. So um, a friend of mine named O, who uh, tours with us doing sound a lot, he hipped me to a lot of the gear I know in general and kind of eggs me on whenever he sees something <laughs> But uh, with a lot of these amps. But he's in San Diego, and Adam's in San Diego. Yep. And so I'd just always be in there, and I was like, well, I kind of use, f I'm using Fender amps. That's, that's it. And then he kind of knew that once I tried them, I would use them. So I was like trying to avoid them for the longest time. And then I used one of the satellite heads during quarantine. And it mixed with the Fender super well because it had a more in between like a Marshall-y and a Tweed thing. And it with like my Vibroverb sounded so good together. Nice. And I always use two amps at once. And so he was sending up some amps for me to use. I got the white amp right now, which is his white amp, which is super good. But uh, then he sent up this guitar as kind of a surprise. And I played it, and I was super amazed. It also has Curtis Novak, Curtis Novak pickups in it, or pickup. And that sounds really good. And it doesn't sound exactly like the old pickup, but I kind of like it even more. It has a little bit more top end in a way. I don't know how to explain it, can, but... Maybe we can hear it real quick. got a growl to it. I was going to say, it's a rock machine. Yeah. And, you know, I can't play it too hard because I'm not used to the just single stop tail piece. But it's really, it sits in a mix really nicely, which is really cool. Cool, man. Yeah. I wanna, I'm going to stop interrupting you so much, and we're going to breeze through a couple more friends. So that's great. Adam's a great builder. Um, I love using guitars made by people I know. And also amps, like uh, going to the Fender factory and getting to meet people that work on the guitars that I play. There's something really special about that. And um, when we were on tour with the distillers in Detroit, 
uh, I was playing uh, the Tellies, and I met Gabriel from Echo Park Guitars, and he brought this thing, and it was uh, super cool. He just brought it to the dressing room. I think he was going to give it to Brody, and then she kind of did the thing where it was like, give it to the kid instead. And uh, it's a really great playing guitar. The neck is huge, um, which I really like. But I'm proud of this guitar because it was my first uh, headstock repair by myself. Wow. And uh, a sound guy, uh, it was on a stand. He tripped on the stand in Germany or something, and the headstock just right down here. And uh, I hit up Gabriel and I said, it cracked, what do I do? And he said, just go get some wood glue and some clamps. And so I went to the hardware store in Germany and I was trying to figure out how to say glue. And they were looking at me like I was crazy. And I was like, wood glue, like not regular glue, wood glue. And it was, it was a process. But then I clamped it for a couple days and it's still intact. So yeah. Nice job. It's a great guitar. But yeah, I'm gonna stop playing them so we could get to more. Okay. Just showing them, if that's cool. Yep. Yeah, I'll play some of them. Um, and then Quarantine happened. Oh, another great guitar is this. Another great builder, Doug Cower, uh, builds these banshees that are really cool. Um, uh, this one's my dad's, but it's set up for slide. And it, this pickup, I think it is a Lawler too, but it sounds really good with the open tuning. I think it's an open G right now, but something special about it, just volume and tone. I toured with this. Uh, I, one of the three strings, uh, Norwegian Air broke one, Ooh. the neck, and we needed to fly out the next day. We were like home for a day, so I strung this up with three strings and did a whole tour with this not being set up or anything. And that was an experience, but it held it really well and played super fun. It was a fun guitar, and I could throw it around and didn't break, which was cool. Yeah, it looks super cool, but, man. Cool. And then I'll touch on these briefly. I can't really demo them because I don't have the mic set up. But before quarantine, I didn't really have any acoustic guitars. And uh, when you're sitting at home, your neighbors can only handle so much. <laughs> so it became a necessity. And I found this, uh, 1966 Gibson Country Western. I wanted a hummingbird, but these are hummingbirds for half the price yeah. because they don't have the, the freaking, they're the same thing. They just don't have the bird on the pick guard and different finish. But it's, it's probably one of my favorite guitars. Every time I sit down with it, I feel like I'm getting somewhere. <laughs> I got this from a friend, um, my friend Mike. He has an account called Fender Finder. He's like a super guitar geek, and uh, he always shows me cool stuff. But this is a, I think it's a 50, 53 or 54 uh, LG1. and LG1 or LG2, I'm not really sure, but it's really cool guitar. And then uh, I just got this. And if I'm being honest, when I was first prepped to the whole idea of the Acoustic Sonic, I was really skeptical. I was like, I don't know. It kind of like doesn't look like my vibe. Mm -hmm. It just didn't seem like something that I would actually play. And then I got it. And all the acoustic settings on it sound really good. And then you switch to the electric and you get to do cool stuff like 
Weezer songs or something yeah. that starts, like Pork and Beans or something. I'm not sure on which ones, but you get to do really cool stuff and just flip the switch and you're an electric. And it doesn't really feed back much. You could play it with the whole rig through an amp and it still sounds really good. And I did some recording with it. And you know, where I'd usually switch a guitar, it's like, okay, I need a hardware guitar. And I rolled off the tone and it's not a tone, it just like switches guitars. It's stuff that's beyond my head, but I don't ask too many questions. I just use it, you know, <laughs> but. It's better not to ask questions sometimes. Yeah, but yeah. Well, do you want to grab? Rad. Do you want to grab whatever guitar you want to kind of demo your pedal board here? But before yeah. we get there, Henry, why don't you talk to us about your amp setup? Clearly, you have a lot in the room, and you already mentioned earlier that you always have two amps running. So, what are we hearing today, and and why do you like to use two amps, and, and in what way do you use them? Are they uh, like a stereo setup, or is it kind of like in series, so it's you know just more more of everything? Yeah. So. I've always wanted to use, or a lot of my favorite guitar players use multiple amps, and it's always cool to mix in different kinds of tones. And, but recently, since we've just been inside a house, I've been using more smaller amps to record with because you could get better tones out of them without it being, you know, 100 watts. Yeah. Out on tour, I use these cabs down here, uh, and the Bandmaster, the Showman, and the Vibroverb. Wow. So it's really loud and, you know, sound guys usually don't like me. But I, I have them low. They're like on two or three. Um, but they got em eminent speakers in them. They sound really great. But for th this room, they're too much. Um, so I've been messing with um, these prints. I just got this Princeton from, it was a gift from Jason Klein at Fender. Uh, he also gifted me this White Falcon. and. He's been a huge help on tour and, you know, when something breaks. And he just gifted me this beautiful, uh, I think it's Chris Stapleton, um, brown face reissue of the Princeton. But so it has, I think, the harmonic tremolo or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, at the studio where I work at a lot, uh, called 64 Sound, they have a brown face Vibrolux that sounds amazing and it's one of my favorite amps and this has the 12 inch speaker so it's more of leaning towards that or deluxe than princeton sounding mm -hmm. but it's a really beautiful amp and it really captures uh it really captures the image of the guitar that you're playing through it it's not very distorted at all it doesn't really break up um, but it has a very nice response and then i'm using this with uh my dad's old Vibrolux, I think it's a 59, so, but it's a tweed that a punk in the 80s painted red. <laughs> and I think he traded, I think he traded like a Japanese strap for it or something back in the day. Like, but, and it sounds amazing and it breaks up really well. Um, another one of my favorite amps for recording is this little champ that uh, is my friend Gilbert's and he's been letting me, I've borrowed it for about three years now. And uh, if he ever wants it back, it's gonna it's gonna be a thing, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna have. It'll be some horse trading. Yeah, I'm not trading. gonna let it go. There'll be some horse trading yeah. involved, some wheeling and dealing. Now, before we move to your pedal board, Henry, it, you already mentioned you know your love for Neil Young, which I've seen him live a few years ago, and his amp setup is similar to that, where it's kind of like you're wondering if it's gonna fall over, and it also reminds me of Mike Campbell, who I know that you you guys got to do that cover with, so. 
you're yeah. you're kind of paying homage to your heroes through your amp stack. Yeah, I mean that's where I I didn't invent anything. <laughs> you know, I'm not doing anything original. I'm just learning and I'm being I'm paying very close attention. Yes. But uh, so yeah, Mike Campbell and I saw Neil Young and you know all the old amps, the tweeds, the magnetones, mm -hmm. and it something about when uh, people use multiple amps. Um, and get different tones out of them. I, I'm also using the Strymon uh, Flint, and I'm sending out the stereo to both amps. So when the tremolo is going, it's going in between them, which is really cool. But and then Mike Campbell, the way he uses Princeton's, uh, is why I use Princeton's. He gets a really amazing tone out of them. Um, yeah, these ProSonics are really cool, and I hope people don't find out about them because they were Fender's uh, version of the Mesa Boogie in the 90s that Zinke made, and they're amazing amps, and I hope nobody goes and buys them. Well, you just kind of let because, the cat out of the bag there. <laughs> yeah, I, that, I had to think about that before I did this. It's like, what shouldn't I talk about? But, yeah. Well, Henry, I think it's time to talk about your pedal board. I know you did a great video with Earthquaker, and I know a lot of theirs, their uh, pedals are on your board, but uh, I can't see what's going on in your pedal board, so just walk us through everything and kind of play, play the pedals and play the combination of pedals that you would use on stage. Yeah. So, like you said, I think Earthquaker pedals are pretty much my favorite pedal. My favorite pedals in general, because even... You know, they have fuzz pedals, but even their weird pedals like the Afterneath and the Rainbow Machine, they force you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. I did, we did this thing for Vogue where we, uh, we did a, like a sound, um, or we did this thing for Vogue where they had this video of Kendall Jenner walking around a garden and they wanted something that sounded like beautiful, but also, you know, out there. Uh -huh. And, uh, I knew I need. I immediately I thought, okay, Earthquaker. Like it's good. Just find a pedal and just do something simple with it. And I asked my friend Vice if I could borrow his Afterneath. And sure enough, I used that, and that was that was it. They loved it. And so it could be as simple as that. But so to split up the two amps, I use a Lele or a Lele, however you say it. Um, it's they're German, but ABT pedal. Okay. Um, it has the phase switch and stuff on it, but it's really nice. They're built like tanks. Um, then I have uh, the carbon copy analog delay going to one amp and the flint uh, going to both of them. Okay. So probably the most vital thing to my board setup is uh, overdrive, a good overdrive pedal, because I use the Fender amps a lot, and you know, you get backline amps that don't sound that great. I know my amps sound great, but if I'm flying to England, I have no idea what the amps are going to sound like. So I kind of use the overdrive to sculpt the tone of the amps so that no matter what amps I get, it sounds pretty much the same. So without any pedals, I sound like a, it's a pretty clean tone. You know, kind of chimey. And then I'm using the Red Llama which yeah, I found out about through Mike Campbell, and that's pretty much what he uses. And just with the Red Llama on right now. Mm -hmm. 
and it gives you that kind of tube saturation thing that's really cool um, but yeah so that's the main overdrive and then when I go to a solo I kick on the hoof pedal that Earthquaker makes and it's just super big muffy I forget which big muff it was modeled after but it sounds good so it doesn't really matter and I also use the park the park fuzz I go in between which ones I use um, for <laughs> gives you that boost in volume and sustain. Now, do you ever stack your fuzzes? I know that you put the, you just said that you either use one or the other fuzzes with the Red Llama. Do you ever use like multiple fuzzes at once or is that too much? You know, I use one fuzz, but sometimes I'll turn on, I have a DOD stereo course that I use. And um, sometimes I kick that on with the fuzz. Oh, let's see. And that. it gives a really cool, yeah. Um, it's kind of like, or I'll go for like a Chuck Berry thing and just kick that on so it gives a... And then I'll go in between that, and then I have this TC electronic shaker that's really cool. Um, it's kind of Leslie-ish, but I don't really know how to explain it, but it has a really cool... But I use that a lot when going to solos, too. Um, like... It's just kind of a cool thing. It helps, help, probably helps like notes and chords really pop out. I know that that really stands yeah, out in the mix. Definitely. And then I also have the carbon copy that I use to get that slap back sometimes. I'm a huge like Brian Setzer fan and it gives you that kind of space echoey thing. And you know Elvis. Oh yeah. But it gives you that cool little thing. Um, but yeah, it's pretty simple. And then things like the afterneath, uh, if you kick on for, uh, when you, for, this is like the thing we did. And it kind of sounds like a wave in the ocean or something weird. Yeah. I, but it's really cool. And then uh, there's this song called Lizzie where I, I use the drop pedal and uh, for the solo I kick on the Bit Commander, which is a really messed up octave fuzz thingy that's clips really interesting and you can't really control it, but it sounds really cool. Um, but yeah, so normally, for that song without any.
but and then you can switch to, you know, this is the bit commander. But it's just, it's cool. You can't really control it and I'm always messing with the knobs, making it different each time. Now with the bit, the bit commander, is that something you used on Used to Know solo? That, that there's a, like a real squirrely solo in that song, Used to Know. So yeah, Used to Know, that's actually the DOD. Oh, okay. It's, um, I think it's. I, I can't remember what I exactly did, but that, that's pretty much the sound. And I think I used a big muff with it, so. But you know, just single notey and. Yeah, the phaser gives it like that real liquid feel. Yeah, the DoD is really cool. Not, an, not many people know about them too. Uh, uh, people more, more people just play the boss one, but the DoD's, a lot of DoD pedals are really great pedals. Um, and I've gone through, I have a bunch of them, um, but they're great. All right, Henry, uh, I appreciate you getting the three string back out because I'm curious of how that sounds with your pedal board. So kind of walk us through the sounds and how that incorporates into your you know, pedal board and how that all like, coexists. Yeah, so like I said, I use a lot of the octave pedals to really differentiate the tones, but a lot of our songs are just pretty simple, fast, and I do stuff like... <laughs> simple for the for the clean tone or the basic part I'm just the red llama's always on and then I go to the hook for when I do anything solo-y or for courses and it's just great big muff tone cool but, and we, then for go ahead yeah? sorry go ahead sorry my bad go ahead oh no you're all you're all good um, and then uh, for parts like bet my brains uh, I start the song by using the octave. And then I go to the chorus. So I, it's a lot of, you know, dancing around with my feet. And then I use the DOD for the verses. And then I go back to the, you know, the hoof and the drop pedal. But it covers a lot of ground. And that hoof and uh, drop pedal combination is, you know, deadly. <laughs> it sounds great. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. And uh, what I also like about the three strings is that it could sound super, I don't know if it's just, the way I play it, but you can be super, um, I can play super soft one second with the same distorted tone and then play super hard and it's very, you know, I feel like. I don't know what word I'm going for. It's like very uh, touch sensitive. Yeah, which is really cool and it's all right there. You know, I don't have to look for anything.
but yeah. Um, and then sometimes I pull out the capo, and there's certain songs like She Gets Around from the last record where I change the drop to just a full-on octave down with no, uh, none of the octave up, and it gets like here. Then I throw on the carbon copy. I switch in between the stuff and it's it's cool. It's fun. I'm glad but. that I'm glad you kind of uh, broke down that song real quickly. She gets around because that was a song that like catches your ear and it's like, man, I, I'm very curious of what's all going on in there. Yeah, a really cool thing about it is that people don't know is in school I never played um, like guitar or anything. I first played percussion, but then I play, play tuba and trombone, and so we for. In the intro to that song, it's first just the guitar. People, a lot of people think it's a bass, but then there's a like a coursey doom 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 that I played trombone and we pitched it down an octave and put a phaser on it. Wow! And yeah, so I got to sneak a horn in there, which was pretty fun. <laughs> but yeah. Well, well man, I, I have one last question for you, and it is kind of off topic, but it's also still related. Is I know that you have a pet pig, Beasley. Now, yeah, Beasley. I, I'm curious, does Beasley ever hang out when you jam? Because I know uh, I have a dog and uh, other people that have pets. Sometimes their pets find uh, comfort being near you while you're playing your instruments, whether it's unplugged or, or sometimes very loud. I'm just curious how Beasley yeah. interacts with your music. You know what? He, he likes guitar and he really likes when I sing. Um, but he doesn't like drums no. or motor, motorcycles, anything that's... <laughs> really fast and he like runs away but uh yeah he really likes when i sing and that's why i use the hoof pedal over all the other big muff versions is just because you know i have a pig so i feel like i need to rep it <laughs> yeah they got to work on the beasley pedal which is just like the new version of the hoof i don't know what i'd do to it because i like it as it is but maybe just a different color with a picture of Be beasley on it would be pretty cool yeah i feel like julie and jamie would be behind that at earthquaker they would definitely support yeah. that idea julie's great i mean everybody at earthquaker is so nice and they've been super great to me uh so yeah i would be pretty cool <laughs> if we can get a but beasley we'll pedal well, Henry, I really appreciate you, man. It's exciting to hear that you guys are back in the studio kind of working out a new record. Yeah. So hopefully we'll hear that this year, and hopefully we'll see you guys live. In the meantime, where should people check you out online, whether it's about the band stuff? I know you mentioned you and your girlfriend got a project uh, you're working on. Where is online a good way to keep track of Starcrawler stuff and Henry Cash stuff? Um, well, there's starcrawlermusic.com. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming very soon. Um, I guess Instagram's probably the best place where you could find me and, you know, the band. And we, you know, Facebook, we're trying to keep up more, but, you know, get kind of lazy. Yeah. I'm not on the... Are, are people still on Facebook as much? I think there's I people really... out there. But Facebook Marketplace is dangerous. That's the only reason I go on Facebook anymore. For guitars? But, yeah, for amps. But all these, I never, I never pay street price for anything. This vibroverb, these go for so much. 
I paid, uh, I think it was $500 for it. Man, that ain't fair. Arizona. That ain't fair. But it was flooded, it, it was flooded out, so it needed a lot of work done to it, but... Yeah, I'm a, like a, I don't know, like a hawk on Craigslist Yeah, you're like a, su a success story in like eBay and like yeah. shark, sharking on the web for finding gear. Yeah, I've been doing it since I was like 12 years old. Man. I'd show up like this tall to the Craigslist deal with my little brother. You know, we put all our money together. <laughs> but yeah, it's one way to do it. Yeah, man. Get, I heard if you, get, if you get your kids into guitars, they won't have money to buy drugs. Well, that's your goal. It's a new program at Dare. There you go. There you go, yeah. Well, Henry, cool. thank you so much for hanging out and talking gear. I appreciate you. I can't wait to rock thank out you. with you uh, in person next time you guys hit Nashville. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Thank uh, you so much. Stay safe out there, everyone. Keep rocking.